0: Inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziglar wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsey. I am so excited to tell you about Zig's newest book, Born to Win. It takes his 40 plus years of wisdom and condenses it into one easy to read book. It has his signature style of humor and stories to show you how to apply to your own life, his life-changing principles. This is Zig's last book, and it's his best. I hope you will order yours today by going to www.ziglar.com. Www.ziglar. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. You know, as parents, we have the most influence on our children, more than anyone else they'll meet in their life. Zig reminds us that the lessons in childhood become the realities of adulthood. Let's listen to Zig.
1: I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous. And I got introduced to Heaven Hill
2: Be an optimist when it comes to the potential of your child because to the child we as parents are literally their gods. We're the giants in their life and we are the ultimate authority for them and when we put them down when we say they can or cannot do certain things so many times they take it at face value. Dr. Tony Campola of Eastern College in Pennsylvania Says that the self image of the child is more influenced by the most important person in that child's life than by any other single factor. And when the parent, in essence, in conversation and in their manners, put the child down, in essence, say they're not too bright in one way or another, they're slow learners or whatever, then here is the child's god, as it were, saying my son or my daughter simply does not have it all together. So important that we not build those ceilings. Dr. Bloom is saying that we as parents don't need to sell them short. We need to display an interest in the children. We can take that into the reading, vocabulary, or whatever area we want to take it, and I'm confident we would find that it was true. Is it worth the time and energy? Yes, for the lessons of childhood become the instincts of adulthood. According to an article in USA Today, points out that happier families air differences openly but that the anger focuses on the actions that someone has taken and doesn't lead to berating the person themselves. They also point out that the happiest families are steered by a strong parent coalition. Parents make the decisions after considering children's opinions. Now, in less happy families, control is looser. A child may compete for power with a parent. In other words, what they're saying is parents. It's our responsibility to provide that direction. Psychologist Bill Gillum puts it this way, when you're dealing with a child, you deal with the action and not the child. He says, for example, if you find that your child has told you something that is not so and you discover it, you don't call your child a liar. You see, that's attacking the person, the child himself. What you do say is, son, you know, we decided a long time ago that lying, you see, that's the action, was not going to be permitted in our family. Now, son, we love you, but lying is one of those things we simply are not going to tolerate. That's the approach that all of the psychologists and all of the family counselors I have ever talked with say is the best. Deal with the problem, not the personality. Psychologist Charles Lyra says, you've got to know how to love your kids. If you don't know how to love our kids, he says, I'm afraid that even our society may be in difficulty. You see, I've noticed a trend in America, and the trend is that nobody wants to take care of the old folks anymore. And I think it may be a direct result of how we treat the young folks. I heard it put this way, and I'm quoting Dr. Lowry verbatim You didn't feed me, you took me to McDonald's. You didn't play with me, you bought me a bicycle. You didn't study with me, you bought me a computer. You didn't take care of me, you sent me to daycare. You didn't entertain me, you bought me a VCR. Why should I take care of you? I don't even know you. Folks, our society is at risk because we don't get to know our kids. We don't spend time with them. You never know how long it's going to be until the seed the parent plants starts to sprout. Sometimes little things do make a big difference. Richard Green, who's an executive in one of the major chains down in Dallas, Texas, has two children, both of them who adopted his wife, uh, and he adopted them when they were infants. The little guy's name is Creed, and the little girl's name is Brooke. Now, when they get to be four years old, Creed is now six and Brooke is just three, but when they get to be four years old, they started doing something special. If Creed did certain things all week and in essence was obedient and was a good boy and had a good attitude, then he was permitted to choose any place he wanted to go within reason and do certain things and recognition for what he had done. And so one week, for example, he chose to go down to the Kmart and to watch the aquariums, the fish. And so that night, it was a Friday night. They went down and his dad put a little chair there right in the center of the aquariums. And they said, for one solid hour, Creed sat there and watched all of those fish. Well, now here's something that is very beautiful about this. First of all, by seeing nature in its light the sea life that goes along with it and all of the plant life that's there, there has got to be a lesson in nature and a lesson from our Creator looking at that beautiful sight. The cost, ladies and gentlemen, was obviously zero. Of course, it... Took a few pennies worth of gasoline to get down there. Something relatively insignificant, and yet it makes a difference in that boy's life. Now, once about every three or four months, his dad will dress creed up in a neat little suit. And he'll take him down the store where he works. And he will take Creed all over the store, introducing him to the heads of every department. He's taught him how to shake hands. He's taught them to pronounce uh, the other person's name. His dad has taught Creed that when he leaves, to always say, I certainly appreciate meeting you, Mr. Jones, or whatever the name might be. Well, this does an awful lot of things in Creed's mind. It establishes the fact that your dress and manners are important. It associates him and helps him to recognize that his dad is a successful man and his dad is treating him in a very special way. Therefore, he must be a special boy himself. The cost, again, is absolutely zero. Sometimes things happen and we are unaware of it. Good friend of mine, Jerry and Joe Bacon, live down in Charleston, South Carolina. Jerry is one of these super neat guys. He's an insurance salesman and just one of these people that give you the shirt off of his back and he's overmarried, which is another way of saying uh, uh, that Joe is just one of the most beautiful ladies you'd expect to meet. Well, they obviously raised Beth according to the attitude they had and she was one of these little Miss All-American girls. Pleasant, optimistic, enthusiastic, cheerful, did everything, you know, that you would expect her kind of a little girl to do. And then uh, right after Christmas, along about the latter part of January, they started noticing that little Beth wasn't as cheerful as she had been. She was more difficult to get up in the morning. She was a little grouchier. She didn't have the same kind of attitude. And, and this really bugged them and puzzled them as to what in the world had happened to Beth. And they put their thinking cap on, as we'd say down home, and they remembered that they had given Beth a clock radio for Christmas. And the clock radio was awakening her every morning to five minutes of news. And then it was on a rock station, and she was listening then to the rock music for about the next 10 or 15 minutes as she was getting dressed and coming out. Well, once they discovered the problem, they solved it simply by taking the radio out. They started awakening her as they had done in the past. And in less than three weeks' time, she was a happy, optimistic, cheerful little girl she'd been before. You see, you're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are and you can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. Dartha Nolte expressed it this way. If a child lives with criticism, he learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, he learns violence. If a child lives with ridicule, he learns to be shy. If a child lives with shame, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with encouragement, he learns confidence. If a child lives with praise, he learns to appreciate. If a child lives with fairness, he learns justice. If a child lives with security, he learns faith. If a child lives with approval, he learns to like himself. If a child lives with acceptance and friendship, He learns to love the world. The truth of the matter is, we need to think in terms of a child as being a tridimensional person because that's what he is. You see, we are physical, we are mental, and we are spiritual. Now, we're governed by certain laws in our society. We are required to provide for their physical needs. We also are required to provide for their mental needs. There are laws that says you've got to send your kids to school or else you've got to educate them at home yourself. You've got to do that. And not to do it, of course, is denying your child the chance to accomplish many things in their life. Unfortunately, there are no laws that require that we take care of the other area of the child, and that is the spiritual area. The interesting thing is that a lot of parents, a lot of parents, and I've talked with many of them, would never dream of permitting their child to choose anything and everything they want to eat they never let the child decide whether to go to the doctor or not to go to the doctor or to choose their doctor. They would never let a child decide what to wear, a six-year-old or an eight-year-old, in freezing weather. They just simply would not give the child that privilege. And yet I've had many parents with what appeared to be good intentions say, well, when my child gets old enough to know, then I will let them make their own spiritual decisions. By then the decisions will already have been made and it will be too late. In my judgment, it is a cop out for a parent to say, I will wait for my child to get old enough to understand and then make their own spiritual choices. It is, as I said a moment ago, by then, too late. Because they've had years and years of input of a negative world, years and years of input which things which are absolutely anti-religious and things of that nature. We need to influence them. One of the reasons I believe in prayer in the school is simply because to eliminate all phases of our spiritual life from education is to educate the child that that is not important. By not having God in our school in any way, it is saying we can get along without it. Although I will have to confess that that is changing. I was in a school the other day. They had a sign up that said, in the event of atomic attack or earthquake, the ban on prayer is temporarily lifted. (laughs) You see, all parents directly or indirectly do teach their children their faith. I love what Dr. Henry Brandt, who's a Christian psychiatrist, said. A mother came to him and said, Well, Dr. Brandt, suppose my child doesn't want to go to church. Said, "Uh, What do you do? And Dr. Brandt says, Well, suppose your child were sick, but didn't want to go to the doctor. What would you do? And the parent said, Well, take him to the doctor. And Dr. Brandt said, Why? And the parent says, Because it's good for the child. And Dr. Brand said that's the very reason you ought to take them to church. It's good for the child.
0: Zig has some very solid advice in this podcast. Are you encouraging your child? Are you taking responsibility not only for the mental education, but also for their spiritual education? Be sure and give your children a hug today and tell them you love them. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. And don't forget to get your copy of Zig's new book, Born to Win. To help you to plan, prepare, and expect to win in your life, go to Ziegler.com to purchase your book. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsey encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Zigler, Inspiring true performance.